What's up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be discussing how good will Michigan football and Kentucky football be this upcoming college football season. We're also going to be discussing how good will the offenses of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Chargers be this upcoming NFL season. If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore and on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. If you were to ask me, JT Sports, who do you think is the most interesting team going into the 2022 college football season? My answer would have to be Michigan. Because remember last year, Jim Harbaugh was under a lot of pressure. And then Michigan, out of nowhere, not only do they defeat their arch rival Ohio State, but they win the Big Ten Championship and they appear in the college football playoffs for the first time ever in program history. But then in the offseason, Jim Harbaugh flirts with the NFL. He tries to get the Minnesota Vikings job. He doesn't even get a job offer. So he goes back to Michigan empty-handed. Not only that, but he loses two of his coordinators from last year. He lost defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, who went to the Baltimore Ravens with his brother. And then, surprisingly, he lost offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis, who decided to leave for South Beach with Mario Cristobal. So not only... Do you have questions about how good the play calling is going to be on both sides? But also, where is Michigan football as a program? What direction are they heading? Was last year just a one-off year where they just caught fire and everything just happened to line up properly for them to have the kind of season that they did? Are they going to crash back down to reality this season? Or... Are they going to be able to pick up from where they left off at? You also lost a good amount of talent on the defensive side of the football. You lost your two-star pass rushers and Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabu to the NFL draft. Then you also lost defensive back Daxton Hill. So there are a good amount of questions for Michigan going into this season. And most of these questions aren't going to be answered until the college football season kicks off. However, for those of you guys who are pundits of Michigan and believe that last year was just a coincidence, Vegas is pretty high on the Wolverines. Vegas has them at nine and a half wins going into this year. Their schedule, at least when you look at the outer conference, is pretty easy. Your first three games are against Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn. Without a doubt, you should be going 3-0 to start the the first couple of games, then you enter conference play against Maryland, Iowa, on the road in Iowa. Iowa is a team that we don't know how good their offense is going to be. Their offense was really bad last year. However, their defense should still be really good. Maryland, I think they could be a little bit of a sleeper team, even though I do love Michigan to win that game there. So pretty much you should be able to go 5-0. and Then you go on the road to Indiana, back-to-back road games. That should also be another winnable game. So you have the opportunity 
of being able to go into that Penn State game at 6-0. And then that's where Michigan starts to get into the meat and potatoes of their schedule, okay? You got Penn State, then you play Michigan State off a bye, and then you play Rutgers, and then you have Nebraska, Illinois, and then you go on the road to Ohio State to close out the season. So for Michigan, I definitely think that nine wins definitely is fair expectations for them, even though some people may say eight. I definitely view them as a nine-win football program at the moment. You look on the offensive side of the ball, right? Is J.J. McCarthy going to be able to beat out K. McNamara and Fall Kemp if he's able to get healthy? Because he did suffer an injury early in spring, I believe, or during spring practice, and it kept him from really getting a lot of reps. He didn't really get to do anything in the spring game for Michigan, so it looks as if McNamara is still QB1. But if J.J. McCarthy can get healthy in enough time for Fall Kemp, Can he end up winning the starting job? And both of these two quarterbacks bring different skill sets to this offense. You look at J.J. McCarthy, really explosive, super athletic, has a very good arm. He can fling it. You look at Cade McNamara. He led Michigan to the college football playoffs last year. He... He didn't really have to do too much because Michigan's ground game was just so dominant with Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum that he was really just asked to be a game manager. He reminded me a lot of A.J. McCarron back in the early days of the 2010s with Alabama football. And A.J. McCarron was really, really good. I'm not saying that Kay McNamara was as good as A.J. McCarron, but he kind of had a little bit of similarities to him. But you look at J.J. McCarthy, he just brings a different dynamic to your offense with his athleticism and what he can do when it comes to extending plays and making things happen when things break down. So if I had to pick who I would want to be my starting quarterback, I would roll with J.J. McCarthy just because I'm somebody who kind of likes to swing for the upside. But Either one of these guys are really good options for Michigan. This is a really good situation to be in. Anytime that you have two solid quarterbacks that give you really good chances of the, to win, you have the opportunity to choose in between one of them, the lead you going into this season, great situation to be in. You look at running back, Haskins left for the NFL. You do have Blake Corum who returns. He had a really solid season as well. He had 144 carries, 952 rushing yards, and 11 touchdowns. Without a doubt, he's going to be RB1. You're going to have Donovan Edwards, who a lot of people are excited to see. He is pretty much going to be the do-it-all back for Michigan. He's going to have a pretty big role in the passing game this year. He can line up out wide, and he can also catch passes out of the backfield. There's been a lot of comparisons for him being compared to Alvin Kamara, which I can definitely see. He definitely does have the kind of body structure and the play style of Alvin Kamara. The wide receiving core should be really good as well. You have Ronnie Bell, who should be coming back fully healthy. You also have Cornelius Johnson, who was your leading receiver last year. And then you have a couple of talented, true freshman wide receivers coming in who could have a little bit of a role in this passing game. The offensive line should still be a strong point of this team this was the best offensive line in college football they won the award of college football's best offensive line 
and 2021. So on the offensive side of the football, I still have a lot of confidence in Michigan. As a matter of fact, I think that this offense potentially could be better this season than what it was last year, all because I feel the passing game could take a step up in improvement. And the passing game wasn't bad last year. A lot of people have the misconception that Michigan's passing game wasn't all that great, which the passing game was a lot better than what a lot of people remember. The reason being is because Michigan didn't have to throw the football to beat too many teams. They could just ground and pound you to death. But when Michigan asked K. McNamara to step up and throw the football to win football games, he was able to do so. And with the talent that they have at wide receiver, I think that this passing game is going to be really good this year. Now, defense is probably going to be where my concerns lie. And it's not really more sore... Do they have the talent? Because Michigan has great defensive players that come in and out almost every single year. You look at Rashawn Gary. You think about Jabril Peppers from years ago. So even though Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabu, Daxton Hill are very big losses, I have a lot of confidence in this staff being able to replace those guys. The defensive line looks really good. Mozzie Smith, Chris Jenkins, you have linebacker Junior Colson there. DJ Turner is a cornerback who I love a lot. I think he can end up being one of the best cornerbacks in the Big Ten this year. So for Michigan, I think that they're probably going to end up winning 10 games this year. I don't know if they're going to be able to win the Big Ten, however, simply for the fact that Ohio State is absolutely stacked this year at every single position. They're the second best team in college football behind Alabama. They have NFL players on every single spot of their team, offensive line, wide receiver. We already know about C.J. Stroud on the defensive side of football. They're going to be really good in that department. So in terms of where you compare Michigan to Ohio State, because that's always where many people make the comparisons at, because you're always compared to your rivals. Ohio State, I just feel, has so much talent compared to Michigan this year that I can't see Michigan beating Ohio State for a second consecutive year in a row. I'm not saying that Ohio State is going to blow them out, but I do think that Ohio State is going to be able to beat Michigan this year, and I think they're going to do it by a pretty comfortable margin. So, however, I still think that this is a program that should still be able to win 9, 10 games. I'm not going no lower than 9. I would be really surprised if they win 8 games or 9 games or less this year. This is still a football team that has a lot of talent on both sides of the football. I definitely could see the possibility where they could win the Big Ten this year. But if you were asking me to bet $1,000 right now on who my pick would be to win, it would be Ohio State. So let me know how good you guys think Michigan football will be this, this upcoming college football season. There's a lot of questions about this team going in, but I still think that Jim Harbaugh is going to be focused. A lot of people are questioning, you know, does he really have all his attention on this season or is he still looking for trying to make the leap to the NFL? I think for Jim Harbaugh, the reason why I think he's still going to be really good this year as a head coach is because I think he's going to be highly motivated. He was feeling himself. He's coming off the best season that he's ever had with Michigan. He thought he was going to be able to get an NFL job. He got rejected. It's kind of 
like when you meet a girl, you ask for a number and she doesn't give it to you. It's kind of the situation he was in with Minnesota. So I think that Jim Harbaugh is coming into this season with an edge and something to prove. And I think the whole team is going to have that edge as well because the goal isn't just to win the Big Ten championship. The goal is to compete for a national championship. So for everybody that's saying Michigan's kind of going to be walking around with big heads, not really because, yes, Big Ten championships are nice, but the overall goal that over 130 FBS teams have every single season is to win a national championship. Therefore, Michigan didn't accomplish that, so they still have something to work for. So let me know how you guys feel about the Wolverines going into the upcoming college football season down in the comment section down below. The Kentucky Wildcats. This is a program that is coming off a very phenomenal season last year. Many people think that they have a very good shot at being able to win the SEC East. And I ask you guys, who do you guys think is the biggest threat to Georgia this season? Kentucky or Tennessee? And I want you to be unbiased because I know the majority of you guys watching this segment are probably going to be Kentucky fans. But Tennessee also looks really good as well. So that's Kentucky. Kentucky's over-under win total this season is eight. And they have some changes on the coaching staff. You have a new offensive coordinator in Rich Gang Gorilla. Gorillo. I hope I pronounced that right. I think I did. Rich Gang Gorilla. He is somebody who has had some NFL experience. Your offensive coordinator from last year left for the LA Rams. But your offense shouldn't change that much. He's still going to implement a pro-style offense. And I think that Will Levis is going to be really good under him. And for Will Levis, do you guys view him as a potential number one overall pick? Because that's a really intriguing discussion that I've been seeing a lot of people have over the course of this offseason. Will Levis going number one? I don't know. But he definitely has a lot of talent, a very good arm, one of the strongest arms in college football. And definitely how far Kentucky goes this year is going to be heavily dependent on Will Levis. And from what I've heard from Kentucky fans this season, there are many Wildcats fans who feel that this may be the best offense that Kentucky has had in a very long time, since 2007. So that tells you how long it's been since Kentucky has had an offense with this much talent. You have running back Chris Rodriguez, who was the best running back statistically in the SEC last year. You are going to have some question marks when it comes to wide receiver because you did lose Wondell Robinson. It was pretty much the Wondell Robinson show on Kentucky last year. The dude was sensational. He's in the NFL. You also lost Josh Ali as well. But you do bring in Virginia Tech transfer Tavion Robinson. Last year, he had 44 receptions, 559 receiving yards, five touchdowns. You also have true freshman wideout coming in, Dane Key, who I am really excited to watch. There are many coaches inside of the Wildcats program who is excited about this kid. He was a four-star coming out of the 2022 recruiting cycle. He was the number one player from the state of Kentucky. He's 6'2", 190 pounds. So he already has a pretty good frame. And on top of that, you as offensive coordinator Rich Gangarillo, Rich Gangarillo about him, 
he likes him. He really loves him a lot. He has been really impressed with how he has picked up the playbook. And I think that he could end up being one of the best freshmen in the SEC. So on the offensive line, your offense should still be really good. But the offensive line is kind of the question mark that people have when it comes to the offense, especially when you're looking at your two offensive tackle positions. But I still think that this offensive line should still be able to be very good. You do have a new offensive line coach, but I'm not expecting the offensive line to drop off and play at all. I think that Kentucky could end up having a top 20 offense this year. You look on the defensive side. The defense probably will take a little bit of a step back, but I don't think it's going to be a major drop-off. Your defensive line is still going to be pretty solid. It's going to be led by Justin Rogers, linebacker. You got J.J. Weaver, DeAndre Square coming back. Your secondary, when it comes to your safety position, is really good. The only question probably is going to be cornerback, really. Other than Carrington Valentine, you don't really have a lot of proven production there. And you're going to be having a lot of guys coming in who probably are going to be inexperienced. So there's probably going to be a lot of growing pains at the cornerback position this year, which is why I think we could see Kentucky's defense take a little bit of a step back. But looking at their schedule, so you look at their out-of-conference, right? Not too tough. You play Miami of Ohio, Youngstown State, and NIU, Northern Illinois. So you should be able to win those games. But you do have to play Florida after you play Miami of Ohio on the road in Gainesville. And Florida is not going to be a pushover this year. Florida is a team that could end up surprising some people. And they could end up being the second best team in the SEC East this year. The thing with Florida is really that... You question how much depth they have at every position, right? You question the depth that they have at receiver and then when it comes to the defensive side of things. But if they can stay healthy, this is a team that could end up being really good year one under Billy Napier. So I think that Florida game could go either way. Then you have to go on the road to Ole Miss. I think that is a game that I will pick Kentucky to win. I think Ole Miss is going to take a step back last year. They overachieved last year. They surprised many people. You play South Carolina. South Carolina is a team that you don't really know what to expect from them. They do have a lot of hype and momentum going into this year. I do like the addition of Spencer Rattler. I feel as if he's going to be able to turn things around. Then you have to play Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a team that many people are sleeping on this year. Their defensive line is going to be really good. They have a lot of experience that's coming back on both ends of the football. Mississippi State is a team that many people need to keep their eyes on because they could end up being the second or third best team in the SEC West this season. But the biggest game of the season for Kentucky, outside of playing Georgia near the end of the season, is going to be going on the road to face Tennessee. Because you have two programs who many people think could be vying for a spot in a New Year's Six Bowl game this year. And you have two programs that are pretty much the biggest sleeper teams, not only in this conference, but in all of college football. If you ask people to name their dark horse college football playoff contenders, there's going to be a lot of people that have Kentucky and Tennessee on, this, on that list. And this is probably going to be one of the biggest matchups in the SEC this season. So I'm really excited to see 
that game. And I'm really excited to see what the outcome is going to be. Not only do you have two very good programs going in, but you have two very good quarterbacks going into that matchup. You have Hendon Hooker versus Will Levis, two of the best quarterbacks in the SEC going toe-to-toe. So for Kentucky, I think that this is going to be a team that ends up winning nine games. They potentially could win 10 games. But I think I'm going to have them at 9. I definitely feel that Florida game is a losable game. That could go 50-50. South Carolina potentially could be a swing game. Mississippi State also. But I do think that this is a program that I wouldn't be surprised if we could see them end up surprising some people and end up having a season where they could end up potentially upsetting Georgia. Because Georgia still is talented. They are the better team. They are the best team in this division. However, I don't think Georgia is as good this year as they were last season. And with the fact that you have a quarterback in Will Levis that has so much NFL hype around him, if he's as good as what a lot of people are thinking that he is, and they have the expectation that he potentially could go number one overall, then he should be able to elevate this team. And he has a pretty good supporting cast around him, a very solid group of wide receivers. The off the line for Kentucky is always pretty good. So for Will Levis, with the fact that you have a quarterback that has this kind of talent, there's no game that you can't win. And last year, they did get ran out of the building by Georgia last year. But Georgia had one of the greatest defenses in college football history. They're not going to have that this year. Their defense still is going to be very good, but not as good as what it was last year. So for Kentucky, I think that they definitely have a very strong chance of being able to win the SEC East this year. And so does Tennessee. So let me know how you guys are feeling about Kentucky football Going into the upcoming 2022 college football, leave your thoughts down in the comment section down below. How good will the Jacksonville Jaguars offense be this upcoming NFL season? Last year, we already know it pretty much was a disaster under Urban Meyer. There were a lot of questionable decisions, such as deciding to give Carlo Tide more carries than James Robinson. I would never get over that. Simply for the fact that I had James Robinson on a lot of my fantasy football teams. And I was really frustrated. I didn't understand what was going on. But I don't have to be upset anymore. Because Urban's gone. And you have new head coach Doug Peterson. So with Doug Peterson coming in, this offense should, without a doubt, right off the top, be way better than what it was last season. But the couple of questions that I have. The first one going to be is... How improved is Trevor Lawrence going to be? He was the number one overall pick last year. He struggled. He had 17 interceptions to 12 touchdowns. And it wasn't all his fault. The wide receiver position got banged up. DJ Chark went down really early in the season. The only reliable options that you really had at receiver were Marvin Jones and Laquan Treadwell. And yes, you did hear that right. Laquan Treadwell, during the course of last year, the middle and tail end of the season was one of the best receivers on this roster. And I'm really excited to see what Laquan Treadwell does this year. We're going to talk about him a little bit later. But for Trevor Lawrence, I'm expecting him to take a major step in improvement this season. I think that he possibly could be the most improved quarterback from his draft class simply for the fact that he was in the worst situation out of all of them. Terrible head coach, 
had a play caller that didn't really know what he was doing and didn't really have a great group of receivers around him. So I definitely expect Trevor to improve in 2022. The offensive line, I don't think it's as bad as what people make it out to be. But again, I said that last year and I was kind of wrong. But I'm going to hold firm on my stance for another season in a row and say that I think Jacksonville's offensive line should be decent. And I think that it has the potential to be slightly above average. You have left tackle Cam Robinson. I think Ben Barch showed a lot of upside last season that I expect him to remain at left guard. You have center Tyler Shatley, but he also potentially could end up getting beat out by a rookie. Luke Fortner, who Jacksonville drafted in this past year's NFL draft out of Kentucky. He has the ability to play not only center, but offensive guard as well. You signed Brandon Sheriff, who has been one of the best interior offensive linemen in the NFL for the last couple of seasons. That was one of the biggest free agency signings. I love that one. And then you have right tackle Jawan Taylor. But I think that there could be a high possibility that if Jawan Taylor struggles this year, that Walker Little could end up starting over him at that right tackle spot. You got to remember that when Walker Little was first drafted by Jacksonville and Urban Meyer, he was already interviewed and asked during the drive process, could he play both left and right tackle? So there is a possibility that we could see Walker Little start over Jawan Taylor this year. Then, when it comes to running back, now James Robinson at the moment is still recovering from an Achilles injury, and we don't know how healthy he's going to be come training camp time. We don't know if he's going to be able to be full go come the start of training camp or if he's going to be able to come in training camp during some part of it. But when you were talking to Doug Peterson, there were some people who were saying that Doug Peterson says that they expect him to be back during some time during training camp or the preseason. So you had Travis Etienne, and Travis Etienne didn't play at all last year. And if you ask him how he feels about that, <laughs> he didn't miss anything. So I'm excited for Travis Etienne. There are a lot of people who are excited about him, mainly in the fantasy football community. There are a lot of people who have them tabbed as a breakout player, and I think it can definitely happen. You look at the explosiveness that he brings to this offense, and also he has the potential to do a lot more than what James Robinson can do. Not only can he catch out of the backfield, but there have been rumors about him being utilized as a receiver, being put out wide, and also in the slot. And there is a running back that Philadelphia had during the Super Bowl run that had a role that he was kind of utilized in what people think that Travis Etienne is kind of going to have on this offense. And his name was... Corey Clement. So if you remember Corey Clement, he had a pretty big role in the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl run in 2018. He was really good when it came to catching the ball out of the backfield. He actually had a touchdown reception in that Super Bowl win and they're upset against the New England Patriots. So I think that you can see Travis Etienne have a not only bigger role than what Corey Clement had that year with Philadelphia in 2018, but he's going to be a better version of that. So Doug Peterson does have some familiarity when it comes to using players that have the skill set of Travis Etienne. 
Then with the fact that we don't really know how healthy James Robinson is going to be. If he can't go week one, then Travis Etienne is going to get the bulk load of the carries. You also have rookie running back out of Ole Miss and Snoop Connor, who probably is going to be your third option or your second option, depending on how James Robinson heals up from that injury. Tight end is really interesting. You have Dan Arnold, who you acquired in the trade from the Carolina Panthers. He had a little bit of some production last year. And then you signed Evan Ingram in free agency this offseason. And Evan Ingram is somebody who has a ton of upside. This is somebody who has been to a Pro Bowl. He has a lot of athleticism. However, he struggles when it comes to catching the football. But when it comes to me, if you have drop problems, that's fixable. All you got to do is... Spend a little bit of time after practice on that jug machine. Get those hands right. Go home. Buy your jug machine. Evan Ingram is, what, a millionaire? He should be. So he shouldn't have no problem buying him a little jug machine. I know you can get one off Amazon or eBay for the low. And just work on them hands, man. There is no reason why any professional football player should struggle when it comes to catching the football. That's one of the easiest things that you can improve. All it takes is time, practice, and repetition. When it comes to catching the football, it really should just be an instinct, right? For those of you guys who have ever played football, you ever played wide receiver or a tight end, catching the football shouldn't be something that you have to think about. It should just be reactionary. You feel me? So for Evan Ingram... I think that he can be a very good cog in this Jaguars offense. I really believe it. And a lot of people have been saying that I was crazy. Had a lot of homeboys that was saying that, JT, you tripping if you think Evan Ingram is going to be something special with the Jaguars. Listen, I think Evan Ingram can be really good. This is one of the most athletically gifted tight ends in the NFL. And as I mentioned earlier, drop passes can be fixed. Now, wide receiver... Is where I have my biggest questions. Because I don't really like the wide receiver position. I'm going to be dead honest with you, Jaguar fans. So if you guys have something negative to say, if you want to go ahead and call me an idiot, you might as well go ahead and do so because I don't really have too many good things to say. I do like Marvin Jones. And Marvin Jones is a very, very good wide receiver too in this league. So I like him. But I don't really love the signing of Zay Jones. I think that Zay Jones, at best, is your fourth best wide receiver on a championship football team. I don't think he's all that great. I have concerns about how effective he's going to be with Jacksonville. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up having a letdown season. You do have Christian Kirk, however. And Christian Kirk is a really interesting discussion, right? Because he's coming off the best season of his career with Arizona. And you paid him essentially to be your wide receiver one, right? However, it looks as if Jacksonville is going to work him in the slot, which is probably the best position for him. But he also has the ability to play outside as well. And if you're paying somebody that kind of money, I would expect them to be playing on the outside because I don't know how comfortable I would be having Zay Jones on the outside. I personally think that Laquan Treadwell is a better option if you had to start um, somebody other than Christian Kirk on the outside at that other opposite wide receiver spot to Marvin Jones. I would put Laquan Treadwell over Zay Jones. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just don't think that Zay Jones is really a third or second option 
on any offense. I think if you're asking Zay Jones to be your second or third best wide receiver, you're kind of in trouble because for pretty much the majority of his career, he has pretty much been a fourth or fifth option in every offense that he's been in. So I think when you look at Christian Kirk, he definitely does have all of the upside to be a wide receiver one in this league. All I think he really needs is just the opportunity and the volume. But where my concern with this wide receiver position lies, it's not with Marvin Jones and Christian Kirk. It's really with Zay Jones because we don't know who's going to be that other outside wide receiver. We do know that Christian Kirk is going to spend a good amount of time outside, but he's also going to spend time in the slot. So when Christian Kirk is on the other outside spot, opposite to Marvin Jones, you're probably going to have LaVisco Chenault there, which I don't know if a lot of you Jaguar fans have lost faith in LaVisco Chenault, but I still think that LaVisco Chenault can be a really productive player if he just is given the opportunity. I feel he was kind of underutilized. Injuries also have kind of hampered him as well. So I still haven't lost faith in LaVisca. I still have a lot of confidence in LaVisca. I still think he can be solid. So overall, I'm not really all too thrilled about the wide receiver position. Don't get me wrong. It's better than what it was last year. They had Tavon Austin out there catching touchdowns, ladies and gentlemen. Tavon Austin. You remember Tavon Austin? One of the greatest college football players of the past decade. He got drafted by the Rams first overall in in the first round, 2013. Remember what happened to him? Yeah. Not too many people knew that he played on the Jaguars last year. He was catching touchdowns last season for Jacksonville. So that tells you everything that you need to know about the receiver position and how bad it was last season. So overall, even though I do have my doubts about how good the receiver position is going to be, this is an offense that is still going to be predicated on the run game. Doug Peterson made that a strong emphasis in pretty much all of his pressers that Jacksonville is going to be a run first football team so expect Travis Etienne and when James Robinson gets healthy to get a lot of touches and to carry the bulk load of this offense and I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be put in a more easier situation because he's not going to be asked to do as much compared to last season and then plus the fact that you have a proven winner at head coach is somebody who kind of knows what he's doing on the offensive side of the football at the NFL level gives me a lot of confidence in this offense. So I think that the Jaguars could be one of the most improved offenses in 2022. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to be a top 10 offense. I don't even think it's going to be a top 15 offense, but I definitely think that this is going to be an offense that's going to be somewhere between 17th and 18th this year, which is major improvement compared to where they were last year. And then also you're going to have a Trevor Lawrence who's going to be better when it comes to taking care of the football. He's going to be smarter. I just think that this is an offense that's just going to take a lot of great steps this season in 2022. How good will the Los Angeles Chargers offense be this upcoming NFL season? Now, this was an offense that was one of the best in the NFL in 2021. Going into 2022, there's no reason why it shouldn't get better. Potentially could be the second best offense in the league behind the Cincinnati Bengals. Justin Herbert, could he end up winning MVP this season? You improve the offensive line. As a matter of fact, this is probably the best offensive line that the L.A. Chargers have had in the last couple of years. You have Slater at left tackle, Matt Filer there at left guard. Your center is going to be Corey Lindsley. And then you have right guard Zion Johnson. However, who's going to be starting at right tackle? 
that's where the talk has been this offseason has been for the Chargers because Storm Johnson struggled last year. And it looks like him and Trey Pipkins are going to be battling out during training camp and fall camp for that starting right tackle spot. But outside of that, you still have a very phenomenal offensive line. You look at wide receiver. You have Keenan Allen. I don't understand why some people out there don't think that Keenan Allen is a top 10 wide receiver. But trust me, I have a segment about him coming up very, very soon because I'm not going to tolerate the Keenan Allen disrespect anymore. Keenan Allen is a top 10 wide receiver. I'm tired of people saying that he's underrated and I'm tired of NFL fans disrespecting Keenan Allen. Okay, Every NFL head coach and every NFL wide receiver, when you ask them to name their top 10 wide receivers, Keenan Allen is always on their list. However, for some reason, the NFL media feels otherwise. It's okay, Keenan Allen. I have a video coming very soon that's going to give you the respect you deserve. I'm tired of people disrespecting Keenan Allen. I'm not done talking about Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is one of the most fundamentally and technical sound wide receivers that we have in the NFL. Show this guy some respect. Top three route runner, doggone near the best route runner in the league, one of the best hands in the league, and he's very great at creating separation. Show Keenan Allen some respect. If you, this is how I feel. I feel if you don't view Keenan Allen as a top 10 wide receiver, I feel like you're disrespecting the game of football. And even though it is everybody's opinion, I feel if you don't understand what Keenan Allen brings to the table from his intangibles and fundamentals, I don't think you will really have a great understanding of football. And this is really one of the rare times that I would really come out and have an opinion this strong when I kind of question people IQ about the game of football, but I just feel that strongly about Keenan Allen because as a wide receiver playing in high school who wasn't the most athletically gifted, wasn't that fast, Keenan Allen was the wide receiver that I looked at and modeled my game after because he is somebody who came in out of Virginia Tech who wasn't, well, out of Cal, who wasn't the fastest, wasn't the biggest, but he was very good at being able to make the most because he was very polished when it came to route running and everything else. His game is fundamentally sound on every single level. He may not be the fastest or the most explosive receiver in the league, but Keenan Allen, if you're talking about a wide receiver who is great for young wide receivers that are up and coming to watch, Keenan Allen is that guy. If you are a young wide receiver watching this right now, and you're trying to find a wide receiver to model your game after, look at Keenan Allen. He does it despite being not physically gifted and not being as talented as guys as DK Metcalf or a Tyreek Hill physically. I just can't understand the Keenan Allen disrespect. It really irritates me. It really does. But... Mike Williams, you have him coming off a career year. You also have Josh Palmer, who some people think could be in for a breakout season. I don't know about that. And the reason for that is because I don't have anything against Josh Palmer. It's just, where, where's the volume going to be? 
You feel me? Because you already have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, who are going to get a good amount of targets. Then you also have Austin Eckler, who also gets a lot of targets as well with what he can do catching the ball out of the backfield. So for Josh Palmer to have a breakout season, you're telling me that he's going to have at least 70 targets this year. And I think that's going to be kind of hard to get when you look at how many talented players that they have on offense in the passing game. We didn't even talk about tight end yet. So you signed Gerald Everett in free agency. Very good pickup. One of the more underrated tight ends in the NFL. You also have Donald Parham there. So you're also going to have to worry about how many targets those guys are going to get. So I like Josh Palmer a lot, but I kind of think he's going to be around that 500, 600 yard threshold. I'm going to have a hard time seeing him have a breakout season where he ends up disrupting for 900 plus yards just because I don't think the volume is going to be there for him. However, very great player. I think he's going to be very good this year. And if God forbid the Chargers do have a couple of injuries and he's asked to step up. I think he definitely can deliver. You also have Jalen Guy in there who is a really good deep threat, really explosive. At running back, you have Austin Eckler. He's one of the better running backs in the NFL when he's able to stay healthy. Heck, I think he's a top 10 running back, top 7 running back in my opinion. And yes, I am a little bit biased because I've had Austin Eckler on my fantasy football teams for the last couple of years. So yes, I am biased. I do love Austin Eckler. He's one of my favorite players in the league. You have rookie running back out of Texas and then Isaiah Spiller, who is really interesting to see what his role is going to be. Is he going to be more of the short yardage back, the goal line back? How are they going to use him? Then you have Joshua Kelly, who is going to be your third string running back going into this season. So this is an offense that has a lot of talent, okay? This is one of the most talented offenses in the NFL. And I think that Justin Herbert is going to be in for a MVP caliber season. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up winning it. And really, you don't have any question marks other than right tackles. So that shows you just how good, how much talent is on this offense. And this offense, remind you, last year is already really doggone good. So imagine how good they can be this year with the fact that they improved the offensive line. This could potentially be either the best or second best offense in the NFL behind the Cincinnati Bengals. And the reason why I say behind the Cincinnati Bengals is because if you guys haven't seen already, I already did a segment saying that I believe the Bengals will have the best offense in the NFL this year. They have a top five offensive line, the best receiving core in the NFL. You got Joe Burrow at QB, and you got Joe Mixon in the backfield. I think their offense is going to be phenomenal this year. But I also think the Chargers offense can be just as good. So let me know how you guys are feeling about the L.A. Chargers offense going into the 2022 NFL season. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Remember that the JT Sports Podcast is available on all podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, the JT Sports Podcast is available.